Lord, we thank you for uh, this day. Thank you for giving us this day of, of rest and worship, and uh, we pray that you would enable us then to, uh, to enjoy the benefits of, of this Lord's Day. We uh, again ask that you would enable us now in the Sunday school hour, that you would strengthen us for our, um, our learning and our understanding of, of your word, and uh, especially here, the, this uh, particular genre. And uh, we pray that you would be honored in it and that you would uh, extend your kingdom. We pray these things then in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, well, we <clears throat> um, have thus far in this segment looked at the genres of parables and proverbs. And as I said, there's similar in the sense that our primary goal is to find the main point um, and not get wrapped up in all the details. Then, <laughs> we uh, just just started, just introduced the idea of um, another P, and the big fancy word here is pericope. And it comes from the Greek and so forth, so this is why we have the term. Um, um, but basically, a pericope is a section of teaching. Okay, so you, we can actually find it really throughout all the scriptures. Um, we um, might refer to First Samuel that we talked about, preached on, and, and learned from, and such here recently. And and for the most part, each pericope is each chapter. So you know, in the last. A few chapters of the book, right? We saw David, um, and is he going to fight against Israel? And uh, he's sent back, then he has to go find his family and so forth. And then, of course, Saul with his, the pericope of, of the, the witch in Endor. And then, of course, the chapter 31. It, it, we can use the terms in that way. Um, and, and scholars will do that. But when we're talking about pericopes, for the most part, we emphasize the Gospels, and uh, uh, we have all these different teaching sections. And as I indicated to us last week, um, it's really hard to know when some of these things happened. Uh, we might have a general sense of chronology, but remember we looked at uh, Matthew 13 briefly, and it's possible that Jesus uh, preached those, uh, those parables on many different times. Um, you know, he went from town to town, so it's, it's possible that he, he preached all of those in Matthew 13 in every town. It's probably more likely that he did some in one town and some in another town, and if he returned to towns on, and spent time there on more than one occasion, maybe he did different ones at different times. But then Matthew, in this case, arranges them in this way. And uh, so we know for sure that the pericope, the teaching section about why Jesus uses the parables, didn't happen when Jesus was preaching the parable. Right? That happened later. Um, maybe a few hours later, it's possible. It was even a few days later or something. But um, So when we see these teaching sections, <clears throat> we have to look at what it teaches us, but then also how it's arranged. And so that's 
really the main idea. How can we uh, see a flow of thought from section to section, not just verse to verse? And so we, we, we can look at each section and each verse and each idea in it, but then also how is it put together? Okay. And, um, and so the context here becomes very important, and it actually helps to guide us in regard to um, uh, the message being communicated. So um, I don't recall anybody using the term pericope with the Psalms, but we've essentially done this when we've looked at how the Psalms are arranged. Um, and we have the five books, the themes for each book, and uh, right now we're in this pyramid, as Robertson calls it, of these seven psalms. And so as we look at how they're arranged, how they're put together, it's, it's really the same idea. I don't recall hearing that term used here in the psalms, but it's, it's the same basic uh, approach. So um, then the next step, you might say, is especially when you compare Matthew, Mark, and Luke, not only can we say Okay, well, Matthew put them in this, this order, and this is uh, what he's trying to communicate in the broader section. But then as you compare how Mark and Luke said some of the same teaching sections, not only do we compare, okay, well, you know, in one gospel it says there was one angel at the tomb, and the other one says there's two angels at the tomb. And not only can we compare that, but then we compare the order of doing things. And that also then helps us to see... Um, the, the unique emphasis for each gospel writer and even expands our understanding just broadly of, of the teaching. So <clears throat> all that's to say is, is, is our, um, our, our main goal here for this genre is, if you will, the bigger picture. <laughs> okay? How does it fit together? We, we did it for the first two kind of the other way. Here's, here's all of it. Let's boil it down here. <laughs> Now we're taking each individual thing and we're looking at how it all fits together. So um, kind of in a nutshell, that's um, uh, what we're striving to understand in this uh, particular genre. All right, comments or questions at this point? Yes, Susan. I think it is quite possible that Jesus 
said the same things word for word. But it's also possible that he did say the same uh, parable or whatever in slightly different ways based on where he was. Um, now it's obvious that he said some different things in Samaria. <laughs> we have John 4, for example, that shows us that. But, uh, but yeah, when he was in Judah or Galilee, <clears throat> uh, there may have been a slightly different nuance in Capernaum versus Nazareth. Um, um, and that may account for why there are some differences in the Gospels. You know, because he did say it maybe slightly differently at a different you know, time and place. Um, but the overall message is the same. And of course, what we have here is the one that applies to, to everyone. policemen will even say if they're interviewing multiple people and they all have the exact same story they know something's fishy fishy's going on <laughs> so uh, all right well let's let's try to do this and um, so let's turn to mark chapter 10 and seek to uh, understand how this works so mark chapter 10 and uh, again, our goal here is, is less about the particulars of each section and more about how it all fits together. But, but uh, let's, let's uh, try it this way. Um, what would you say is the first section, first pericope, again, it's a big fancy word here, which, which is the first teaching section in Mark 10? Somebody added that. <laughs> okay, so, but what, what set of verses? What do we have? Okay. Yeah, we'll go ahead and, and include verse 1. Um, and uh, so verses 1 to 12. And as Joe said, he's dealing with marriage, divorce, even, even adultery and, and so forth. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, here's our section, and maybe we could say something like this: um, Jesus is answering this question, um, you know, about it right there. You see it in in verse um, two: Is it lawful? And he says, "What did Moses say?" And so forth. Um, and then his response, verse 5, especially because of the hardness of your heart, uh, he wrote this precept. So um, would it be fair to say 
a divorce and remarriage and this context is about our selfishness okay, the hardness of our heart okay, now again there's some exceptions right and, you know in the case of you know infidelity or whatever but but generally speaking in the situation of divorce and remarriage um, and, and adultery and all that sort of thing it, there's there's a lot of selfishness in, involved in that um, now again there's some exceptions but maybe we could summarize it that way the person's being self-centered um, again verse 5 I think is our, our key verse in that way alright well again I don't want to get into all the details of this teaching section um, so what's the next section that we have here what, what uh, verses Clearly, uh, verses 13 to 16 do go together. We would call it a pericope, a teaching section. So, so what is the teaching? Uh, what's the main idea here? So again, to try to summarize it maybe in, in a word or a short phrase or something, um, Jesus is commending the children for depending on God, right? Now compare that to the first section. <laughs> Contrast is quite stark, isn't it? Here you have self-centeredness okay. even even if you can talk about an innocent party the other person certainly being self-centered um, but children hear this idea of depending on the Lord if we are to depend on the Lord in the context of, of marriage and the situation of divorce then maybe the divorce wouldn't happen uh, and so we need to be like little children in that sense so you see you know we could isolate these talk about them and have nothing to do with one another. But they are put back to back, and it's very deliberate. All right, so what's the next section then? What's the story about here, first of all, and then we'll go that direction. Well, then, like David said, this one comes. 
himself. So in that sense, right, he's self-centered. So, be dependent like children. Well, here's an example of someone who doesn't. Okay. All right, now what's the next section? Okay. And uh, why would you break it there? Okay. Yeah, and, and in fact, some would even go from 17 to 31. And, you know, it's same what you're saying. It, it, it all fits together. But, uh, yeah, we could maybe um, debate on where to subdivide some of these things. Um, it, clearly, um, verses 23 to 27 uh, it's hard for those who have riches to enter the kingdom, but verse 27, with God all things are possible. Um, and, and then Peter, some ways, goes in a little different direction here. Right? We've left everything to follow you. And Jesus says, and the first will be last, and the last will be first. Um, so it, we can maybe combine it, we can separate it. I mean, th- we can debate this to some degree. Um, and. Uh, so, if we go with what Eric said, um, how would we how would we summarize this? What what's going on here, verses twenty three to twenty seven? Possible for the wealthy, and so, right again, they're they're not depending. Okay? They're selfish. In verse twenty-four, there he specifically says how hard it is for those who trust in riches mm-hmm. to enter the kingdom of God. Yeah. So there are some people that are wealthy, but they're not trusting in those riches. That that's So, uh, yeah, obviously Jesus' words about the camel's eye here are found. All right, so what about the next section then? We've talked about here a little bit, um, 28 to 31. And uh, how would we summarize these few verses? So, go ahead. 
initially summarize it here with his last words in this section, right? First will be last, and the last will be first. Okay. So, to what uh, Joe was saying, Peter said, basically, we've depended on you. We, we've, we've acted like little children. And Jesus says, well, yeah, you'll be blessed. So, the rich man's going to be last, but those who follow the Lord will be first. Yes. I guess that's when that first and last, the, like, or the workers that came out from the beginning of the day, and then they never came mm-hmm. to the end, and they all got paid the same. I, I was viewing it kind of in that context of the first and yeah. last day. Yeah. This is meaning what you just said. Well, again, if we stick it in the whole context, um, the first would be someone who's rich. It has all kinds of things. They're, they're going to be last because they can't go through the camel's eye, as it were. Uh, but the little children are last, but they're actually going to be first because they're depending on the Lord. Okay. See, again, you see, it, we can isolate this and talk about it, but as you put it all together, it's like, wow, uh, they, there's a whole theme going on here. All right, well, let's keep going. What's the next section? So Jesus predicts he's going to suffer and die. So how does that fit then with our themes going on here? Not being selfish or self-centered. Doing it all. Okay. Yeah, he's depending on the Lord, his father, until, until death. Okay, how about with the previous section? They're going to have to give up even more than they have already. Right? You mean the disciples? Yes, the uh-huh. disciples. Yeah. But what there in 32, it says, Now they brought them from going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was going before them, and they were amazed. And as they followed them, what were they afraid? What was going on that they were afraid of? Well, it doesn't say a whole lot here, but uh, you know Jesus was telling him he's going to go and die, and obviously that's what so he goes on to say here again. I think that's the the, the context. Okay, also the phrase you go because of kind of threats or rumors of threats of the Pharisees. Yes. Remember yeah. when Lazarus was raised, Thomas said, well, "Let's go with him if he's going to, you know, die." There, we, we might as well 
and there's certainly an example of that where they're not very happy. Um, the let's see here. I guess it's chapter eight where you especially see some of that there, verses eleven and following, seeking a sign and and so forth. Um, but you know there have been situations where. Uh, the religious leaders aren't so happy with Jesus already. Um, so I think that's probably uh, how we should take that. So um, let's put it this way. Who is the first of all? Ultimately, who's first? God. God's going to be last. He's going to die. So the ultimate example of the first being last is Jesus. He's treated as a common criminal. So this prediction is placed here um, possibly because that's exactly the chronology of when it happened. But at the very least it's put here because here's an example. The greatest example of the, the first becoming last. And someone who's like a little child, trusting in his heavenly father. All right. So again, it, you, you see how this is working. <laughs> we can talk about the third prediction. You know, your question about it being afraid. We can talk about all that. That's, that's good. But, but see how it fits in the broader uh, context. So what's the next section then? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Right, what, what's going on here? <laughs> James and John wanting to be placed at his Okay. So, um, uh, I'll do it this way. James and John want to be first. Depending on the Lord. Yeah, Joe. Well, I guess as I read that, question comes to my mind. Are they still thinking in terms of an earthly kingdom right now? I mean, after yeah. talk about before, he says he's going to go there to die. Yeah. Are they kind of, well, we haven't got that. We're still thinking you're going to you know, kick the Romans out and set up your throne here in Jerusalem? I think so. I think so, and, and in light of what's coming, I think that's that would. Another point of that, uh, you know, sit on your right hand, on your left. At least for tradition, I think we would say that James was the first one of the disciples to die, and John was the last. Yeah. So, is there any significance to that? Well, uh, certainly it's possible. Um, you know, it's one of those situations that the, the scripture doesn't comment on it, so we have to be a little agnostic in that way. But, but yeah, I, I mean, it certainly fits, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, um, 
what would be our next section then? Clearly, this next part goes with it, right? When they heard of it, verse 41, right? they were displeased. So, so yeah, if you want to go uh, 35 to 45, I, I think that's uh, quite reasonable. Um, we could separate it because it is slightly different. Um, it, it's possible that uh, they didn't hear of it until the next day or something like that. You know, we, we don't know the exact chronology there but but clearly mark puts it together right um even if something else happened in the meantime <laughs> um so how would we summarize verses 41 to 45 then said over the centuries that if you could have a theme verse of the Gospels, you know, what would it be? And uh, for Mark, many people say this is it. Chapter 10, verse 45. This is the theme of Mark's Gospel. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So here's the first, being last. And, right, so it's fitting with with, again, the overall theme, and, and what a contrast to James and John. They don't want to serve, okay? but Jesus does. That's why he came. Yes? someone who wants to have a divorce. They're just very self-centered in how they're approaching it. They're missing the point. Or even like the rich young ruler that thinks there's other, they think there's other all. Yeah. 
deserves our worship, but he, he said, I've come to serve you. Now, he receives our worship now, but on earth, again, that was, his ministry was, was Aileen used the term humility a little bit ago. All right, so what's next? Verse 14. Good, good connection back to to that earlier section. Mm-hmm. Other thoughts? Yeah, in verse 52, um, Christ tells him to go his way, but he doesn't go a different way. He follows Christ. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's showing his dependence on God in that mm-hmm. way. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Um, I, I was going to say, I think you said it too about the uh, being fervent in prayer. You know, a lot like the uh, woman in the house of Josh Jefferson. You know, he didn't just give up right away when people told him, well, be quiet. Continues. Yeah. Jesus says, your faith is. Yeah. Like the whole chapter of ten would be a perfect be on the idea of self 
Yeah, you, you can you can think of it in both ways. You can think of what do we have here? Three, six, nine pericopes. Okay, and we talked. Maybe we can combine some of them and maybe have six or seven or whatever. But like you're saying, Susan, in, in many ways, the whole chapter is that idea, and, and you can think of it as a pericope in that sense. Yes. And so it's the, you might say, again, however you count it, you know, six, seven, eight, nine examples of being humble, depending on the Lord and those who don't. Um, the contrast, the first to last and so forth. All right, let me uh, try to think of how to put this as a question. Um. This is the only miracle in the chapter, right? And what is the miracle? What is what happens? Okay, Jesus gives sight. Now, with that in mind, how does that idea fit with all we've seen here in the chapter? Back to what Joe was saying, um, you know, he persisted. Okay. Susan emphasized those preventing. Joe emphasized the persistence of uh, of this man um, because he knew that Christ is was the answer, and he persisted in that. There's true sight. Um, so true sight, true understanding, is being like a little child. Is not being self. Okay, not trying to, to earn our way to heaven. It, it, it's not trying to be first, okay, but serving like Christ. Th this is true sight. Even if the person is still physically blind, right? this is true sight. This is true understanding. So it's, it's interesting how the, the only miracle here in this chapter is at the end. And it seems to, if you will, tie it together in this way. So we, we need to have spiritual sight in order to understand this. I mean, think about it. We live in a world that it, it's completely opposite, right? The first are going to be first, okay? And they're going to tell the last whatever they, they want. Um, but Jesus says, wait, it's, it's actually the opposite. And even for us as believers, we, we know this, we've heard this, but it, it still seems a little backward. It seems a little weird. And, and sometimes we... Um, we act like the world, like James and John in this way. Um, and so because of this, and if I could go back to this one right here, salvation is impossible if you're wealthy. <laughs> and in particular, if you're trusting in your wealth, right? So uh, that's just, that's backwards in the, in the, uh, um, the biblical mindset, right, if you have wealth, that means God's blessing you. That means you're obeying, 
right? If you're poor, then God's punishing you. You must have disobeyed, right? Think of the, the teaching in Job, for example. Um, so, you know, even from a biblical perspective, this just didn't seem to make sense to a faithful Israelite. Um, we, we want to be rich because that's an example that we're obeying and God's blessing us. And Jesus said, wait, no, 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 it's actually, that does, that's not true. Dependence is the, be, the big thing, trust in the Lord. Um, so these teachings of uh, here with the camel's eye and such, the teaching of the first and the last, where are we here? Okay, this theme of, of service, it's just backwards thinking for a sinner. And so we need the spiritual sight to, to, to be like little children and so forth. So, um, all right, well, again, our point here is you, you ha- we have to look at each section, right? We have to understand what the words are saying and so forth, but we also then need to see how it fits together because it's very intentional. And so here's Mark 10. Yes. sight not yet <laughs> but they got it um, and they did learn to serve um, and depend and so forth yeah other uh, well I guess we're getting plenty after 10:30 here final thought Joe <laughs> okay remember when you make this map you make the point that the women were the first uh, witnesses to the resurrection Yeah, and unfortunately in our culture now, children are used to manipulate us into doing things.
All right, well, <clears throat> we'll uh, build on this sort of like next week. Um, let's go ahead and, and pray together. Lord, we thank you for uh, this teaching in your word and, and uh, this, this overall theme of dependence and trust and, and uh, service and, and, and so forth. We pray, Lord, that we would not only understand these ideas and live by them, but then also just grow in our skill of of interpreting your word and especially here as we see how uh, things fit together from one uh, teaching section to the next um, we pray now that you would be with us as we come for worship and that you would strengthen us and enable us in it and that uh, in all things your name would be honored and glorified and we pray in christ's name amen